times a week we meet before breakfast for an early morning run. We spend most of our time planning and reflecting on what's happening in our classrooms. This has become our favorite professional development. So we figured, why not share these moments with you? Welcome to Math Before Breakfast. This is episode 49. I'm Tracy Prophet. I'm Ruth Arkiaga. And I'm Jay Prophet. And it is Halloween, and we are dressed as <laughs> mathematical um, Halloween things, sort of. <laughs> so it's actually book character day at my school. I'm dressed as Sophie Germain from the book. Oh, the Unstoppable. Oh, I should have looked up the name of it. There's a really great book about Sophie Germain that um, who's a mathematician. And so, yeah, I had a costume. My my family helped me think of who I might be, and so that's who I am. Ruth, who are you today? I am a black and orange domino. Awesome. And all the middle school teachers are being dominoes. And I may or may not have talked about how important it is to place your dots correctly so that subitizing can happen. <laughs> well, that's not the only placement important thing right, to think about. Right, right, yes. But you can't just randomly have a five without having a square with one in the middle. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, you can't just make up your own like shape design. or design. You have to use... The dominoes. Yeah. Awesome. You you just want to then you ex- probably get really teased if you make up your own design so that like <laughs> three and two sideways. by yeah. the math teacher. Yeah. yeah. So. You just really wanted an excuse to say subitizing in your faculty meeting. I know. I know how it goes. <laughs> We've been ribbing each other all morning long already. All right. So today we're going to talk about um, flexibility with place value and decimals and and how that's going in Ruth's class. And then I'm going to talk about some things that have come up as I've been coaching with um, primary grades, like the relationship between addition and subtraction, which I'm excited to talk about, and then also comparing numbers, like way back at the beginning of comparing numbers. And then I have a book, if we get time. Don't let me forget that I I read a book this week that I want to talk about real fast. So tell us about how that all (laughs) place value is going. (laughs) So I... Well, when I we came this morning, I was just like, Tracy, did we talk about flexibility with place value? And we had talked about it in her, was it second, third grade um, teachers were trying to understand why it was important to make 27 as two tens and seven ones or 27 ones. Right. Or and, 110 and 17 ones. That's how we talked about it oh, so recently. Right. Yeah. So... My students are doing decimals, and we had a big, like, decimal ceremony type thing where we moved the base 10 blocks down the place value chart. And so now they're sitting in my classroom with the flat in the ones place and the rod in the tenths place and the unit in the hundredths place. Okay. And the transition has been hard. Mm-hmm. We'll then throw in... What number is it if I have 36 hundredths and nine tenths? And they're looking at it and they can circle them and they can manipulate them. But it's just like a stopping point. It's like they counted the nine and then they counted the 36 and then they tried to figure out where the digits went. Mm -hmm. And the whole regrouping idea that I know they've done in elementary school, just the transfer is really hard. Um, so we're going to keep doing it, but I, I was just flabbergasted. Like, oh my, let me, let me ask you though, like the whole, you said, let's go back. Let's pretend they were in fourth grade and they were, or third grade, I guess. And it was on, it was still whole numbers. You gave them nine rods and 36 units and asked them how much it is. I'm going to put some, my money on that they haven't done that before. Like, I, I bet the teacher said, here's nine rods and six units. But in the, you know, that whole idea of giving them more than 10 of a one certain place value, it's a good chance they've never done it with whole numbers. Hmm. Don't you think? Well, you're the one who's in the lower classrooms. I'm just hanging out in middle school. <laughs> I mean, based on the fact that I had to, like, point that standard out to my team and be like, look, this is here. Whoa, what's that for? You know, uh-huh. um, like, that's a scary 
Who put that standard there? Yeah, and they didn't understand why. And we've talked about it's because of subtraction really is one of the best reasons mm-hmm. because you've got to regroup things and show that they're still equal. So so maybe you're uncovering a, yet another like, hmm. So our solution, which we're going to you know talk about more today, is to write – that nine rods is nine tenths and thirty six hundredths is thirty six hundredths. And if you write those in standard form, well, you can add them and you can come up with one and twenty six hundredths, which for some kids is easier than counting them and regrouping them. Are they already efficient or accurate, I guess, with the algorithm that is telling them to add those nine tenths to the three tenths that are made up of your thirty six hundredths? And can they even write – if they count 36 hundredths, can they write 36 hundredths so correctly? they can write it and they can identify the place value and they can add decimal numbers. Like that's what they came to me with. Mm-hmm. They're, they're proficient in the algorithm. Okay. And that's what the teacher who does the support class, he said that's what they did last year. Every time they added decimals, they were – just two numbers that were they were given and they were adding them. And I was like, they were never said, show me and add three plus seven tenths. Because we model those kind of problems mm-hmm. a lot so that it becomes mental math. Yeah. Um, and he was like, I don't remember them ever using blocks, which doesn't mean that it didn't happen. Just yeah. means that he wasn't privy to it. Yeah. Um. And then I'm kind of like, wow, these aren't my standards. I'm supposed to start with decimal multiplication. <sighs> but I had to get the basis so that when I say, what does three groups of seven tenths look like? They understand regrouping. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And you need a model to go with that. Yeah. Like you can't just put the numbers on the board, three groups of seven tenths. Yeah, totally. Wow. It's it's why that's another reason of why the modeling all the way like it has to happen at every mm-hmm. single step. I also learned something this week I didn't know. Have you ever heard of unit form? Writing a number in unit form? I th- I think I saw that on the Twitter this week too. Yeah. Is that what you're talking about? So it's Did Jay, you just say you saw it on the Twitter? I'm being funny. Like the yeah. Facebook. It was funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's maybe that's a it was a good laugh it wasn't a teasing been, laugh you've been talking about how you and your husband have funny things that you say <laughs> me and jay say the facebooks yep, and the twitter. the twitter we had a cousin who said the 501 and the 29 <laughs> like on the those are the our the, highways around yeah, here highways. Well, that's, that's how they say highways on the west coast oh well he's from the west coast ah! yeah that's because in, in Los Angeles, <laughs> you get on the 101 or the 5 or the, you know, that's how you say it. When he's coming to Little Podunk Lynchburg and he's like, which way do I come in on the 501? Take the and 501 we, Man, we harassed him. That's funny. It's, to the 29. how he grew up. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So tell us about, you. what do you call it? Unit form? So unit form is where you would actually write the word, the number 9 and the word tenths. And you would write the number 36 and the word hundredths. So it's not word form because word form is the actual number one and twenty six hundredths. Unit form is what is in front of you, what your blocks look like. That's kind of Mm. how I interpreted it. So that might be a helpful step for you. Yeah, it might be. And in fact, I used it yesterday because I had a student who's staying after school to do some makeup work and he was adding forty six hundredths and what was he adding? 46 hundredths and 809 thousandths. Okay. I need to write that down so I say the numbers correctly again. So 46 hundredths and 809 thousandths. And he lined up his digits instead of his decimals. Okay. And got it wrong. Okay. So I have a quick question. Okay. How much like personal practice did it take before you could? read those numbers like that and not 0.46 and 0.809. Cause like, I know what you're saying, but that's, I could, I, it would take me forever to say it like off the top of my head, look at that number and hmm. call that 809 thousands. Well, 
I think you should answer first because my but well, and my answer is going to be I taught fifth grade with you, and I probably, you know, just knew. I mean, maybe you told me on day one, don't say it like that. I don't know. Like I, yeah, I can't. When I am reading a number to you to enter in a calculator or to do something like that, then I'll say point. But I just always have said hundreds and thousands. I mean, it's just part of. It's part of the standard, them being able to read it correctly, you know, Mm -hmm. mathematically. Um, And I think that the reading of the name, the purpose of that is that it makes meaning of the number, you know, for them. Yeah, it was just it's just not at all natural to me to to see that mm-hmm. and, and say, say oh well that's 809 thousands yeah it, i mean and and there but are, also i was not been a math teacher my whole life yeah and so. there are plenty of i mean i've uh, there have been inter- interactions with teachers where you're like you got to say it with the thousands you know <laughs> like read it correctly uh read it mathematically i mean correctly mm-hmm. that's probably not the best word cuz yeah. it's it's correct to say 0. 0.809 or whatever it was you know but read it mathematically or you know my class i'd say we're gonna read it as a fourth grader should you know um read it like a fourth grader what was the other thing i was gonna say about that oh also like the whole whole numbers and putting an and in the whole numbers that's a math teacher pet peeve that i try to kindly correct people um like your son and your husband have i corrected you yeah yeah well because of this yeah yeah. like if you were to say 800 and nine or one and eight hundred and nine thousandths. Well, now you're just super confused about where the and is that really needs the decimal. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so where were we? Okay, so he came to me and he had completely done this problem wrong. And okay. I said, can we just talk about what it means? So we wrote four tenths plus eight tenths, six hundredths plus zero hundredths, and nine thousandths. And I wrote them all in unit form, just a list. Okay. And then I said, which ones of these can you put together? Oh, cool. And he's like, oh, well, those two are tenths, so that's 12 tenths. Okay, tell me what you know about 12 tenths. And he was able to write the 12 and put the decimal between it so it would end in the tenths place. Cool. Okay. Um, And then, you know, he said, well, there's six hundredths and there's nine thousandths. So we wrote the number, which would have given us one and 269 thousandths. And then I said, now let's figure out what you did wrong. And he was like, oh, I remember if I would have put my decimals on top and then I can see that 12 right there, that 12 tenths. Cool. He said, yeah, but can you also see how you could have done that mentally if you would have thought what those pieces meant? And this mm-hmm. is what he said. Well, could have I added 46 hundredths and 80 hundredths and then added nine thousandths? Yes. <laughs> cool. So I... It's the flexibility, mm-hmm. right? That's yeah. kind of where we started. Yeah. And is it important? I think it's absolutely important. Yeah. Because if you can, yeah, it's absolutely important. And yesterday I pulled out my fraction decimal percent number talk and was like, okay, we don't have flexibility with decimals. I'm going to look in this book and I'm going to follow this number string. And the first one I'm like, oh my word, this is so easy. I'm not even going to waste time on it. Oh, my word. <laughs> you were wrong. Huh? I was wrong. So she started with five plus three fourths. Okay. Yeah. We're in sixth grade. I think. What the, do they say? Eight fourths? I can't even tell you. I got in first period, the first time I taught it yesterday, I had 10 answers in my number talks. For, for five that. plus three mm-hmm. fourths? And this what is what I say? said. I said, I'd like for you to answer this. And then I'd like for you to write the decimal that would go with it. And I'd like for you to prove it. So I got five and three-fourths with 5.34. Okay. Okay. Understandable. Understandable. Then I got, I still haven't figured this out, nine, wait a minute, nine-sevenths is the fraction. And seven and nine-tenths is the decimal that goes with that. Holy cow. Tell me about that. Like, that's what I said. <laughs> wow. And he, he couldn't. He's like, I remember you're just supposed to, like, add something right here and add something right here. Oh. Well, then he added the... Added he, wrong, he, though. He added the denominator and the whole number, and he added the 
numerator and denominator. That's Wrong. where he should have gotten eight sevenths, <laughs> right? <laughs> okay. So then, um, you did after you did five. Then you did one fourth plus. No, wait, wait. Go okay. back. Five and three. Five plus three fourths. Right. He added the the five and the four and got nine and got nine. Right. And then the three and, and the, the five four. and he got seven. He should have gotten eight. No, I'm saying the three and the four and uh, three fourths. Oh my word. Well, whatever. It was Maybe. enough. Yeah. It doesn't matter. And then write point. that as a seven and nine. Tenths. Yeah, I don't know about that. Where that one came from. <laughs> well, listen. Wait. He flipped them. No, he turned seven ninths into seven point nine, and then read it to me as a decimal. Ugh, yeah, you got a long way to go there, Ruth. Sorry. <laughs> well, it's it, it. It is just another plug for that book because I watched a teacher do one out of that book. I think I've told this story before where I was like, why is she putting this up there? Holy cow. This is so easy. You know, and same exact thing, all kinds of crazy answer. So they, you know, they, they start at the right place. You know, So we added that and we talked about 7,500 as, you know, someone said it's quarters, whatever. And then we did one, what did, our next one was one fourth plus 7,500. Okay. And, you know, you've got the kids who get it. And so I'm walking around and I'm looking at answers and I'm saying, prove that to me. And then we did 25 hundredths plus three fourths. That was the next one. <laughs> and I still didn't have everybody catching on. And I walked past Abby's paper in like big letters. She's got quarters, people. Quarters. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> like, could we yeah. please move on to something? It yeah. was just really cute. And... That's a little bit of a struggle with number talks. Yeah. Because you have kids who are like, oh, it's one. And they're like lounging in their seats and they're not respecting the fact that the person beside them doesn't have it. Yeah. But then there's part of me that's like, I totally get it. You know, when we're doing a number talk and I have to, well, what do you know about one fourth? Well, what does one fourth look like? Can you draw a picture of one fourth? Yeah. And the kid beside him's like, "Where have you been?" Yeah, yeah. Hmm. I don't That's know. a great point. I don't know how to. I don't know how to differentiate a number talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I need you there to, you know, give your strategies. But in reality, the student who already has it, his strategy is like. You just change it to 2,500s and add it. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, the kid beside him's like, 2,500s? What's yeah. that look, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, that was a struggle yesterday. And I had an activity that was differentiated that was coming up, but we had to get through that number yeah. talk. Yeah. And as the day progressed, I just had more and more students who were like huffing under their breath because it's so easy. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So anybody out there who has some ideas about that, let us know. Because I don't know the answer. You got any ideas, JJ? Oh, no. Yeah. (laughs) Are you with us still? I'm hanging in there. Okay. (laughs) All right. So, yeah. it's Thanks for sharing those real life things. Because number talks are valuable. Yeah. But it would be really cool if I could, you know, have gotten to the hard ones at the bottom of the page where we were adding five-eighths and... 0.75. 0.75. Yeah. I don't think I talked about my kindergarten number talk yet. This wasn't on our plan. Did I tell you about oh, my kindergarten number talk? Okay. Well, by all means. Oh, good. Thank you. <laughs> You're going to like it. Um, so the the team was like, we need to see you do it. Um, and one of the team members was already starting with the Wreck and Rex. So proud of her. And so we ended this planning session that we had where they were going to watch me do a dot number talk. And then we were going to go to her room and watch her do one with the wreck and wreck. And so get my kids in there. Were you doing it in front of like one class of students? And then all the teachers were going to come watch. Okay. Yeah. So they, they all have assistants, which is awesome in our unit, in our division. And so they, they were going to all come watch me do it in one class. 
which is, I'm going to say, a little bit frightening. I think we did maybe talk about that, or maybe just you and I. T- you and we talked about that last time. A little bit. That I was that I was a little bit scared Nervous about. about it coming up. Yeah. Um, so we it was the number talk right out of the um, Sherry Parish book with four dots. We decided th- they thought three was probably too easy and not going to give us a lot of conversation. So we started decided to go with four. Did they put them in the right place? Yes. Okay. No. Uh, we picked the one that went four dots vertically in a row as a string. So one, two, three, four. And then the second one was um, three on the top, three in a row going across and one in the middle below it. And then the last one was two and two, like an actual four on the die. And the thing that was tricky was that, I, you know, they were really excited about it and very, you know, behavior was fine, which is probably the thing I was most worried about, right? So I'd show them the piece of paper that I had brought to like hold up the number and I'd show it to them and, you know, they were like, they were doing it. They were using their thumb, all that. And then I'd put it down and say, how many did you see? And the first person would say four. And so I'd write on the board four. And like you're supposed to do in a number talk, I'm trying to model it like by the book for the teachers. Right. Did anybody see a different number of dots? Five. Raise your hand. Six. Raise your hand. Seven. So now they're counting. Eight. They they like they want every person in the room wanted to say a number. <laughs> so I kept writing them up there. And you can see it, the teachers hey, in the back. They were one upping each other. They uh oh. ha, ha, ha. That was good, JJ. That was good. You just crack yourself up, don't you? <laughs> so a hundred. I mean, literally somebody said a hundred. And the teachers in the back are rolling their eyes and like going, see, this is why this like basically this is why I don't do number talks, you know, and I'm just like letting it go because I want to model that when they're in sixth grade, when if a teacher is in sixth grade and a kid gives an answer like nine and seven ninths or whatever the heck you said, you're not going to go, what? No, come on. You know, like you just that's part of it is that you're learning that this is a safe space and you accept all answers and then you ask them to defend. And so I used that language, defend. Okay, so we have all these different answers up here. Let me put it up here now. Who wants to defend one of these answers and explain how you got it? We went from there. But so I did all three and every single time was the problem of seven, eight, nine, hundred, twenty-seven, whatever. Um, but I tried to say, you know, by the third time I was like, you know, remember, you're giving me a number based on how many you saw on the thing. And, you know, they asked me when we reflected afterwards, like, what do you do about that? How, when do you cut them off? And the teacher who's been doing it for a couple weeks was like, they'll they'll get it. You know, it, it's they'll they'll figure it out. You know, this is the first time they've ever done it. They have really no idea of the structure of what's going on, you know. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I agree with that. I think that they'll eventually be like, oh, no. Four. It was still four. Yeah, but I mean, that's what kindergarten kindergartners do, period, is they all want to say their yeah. number or their yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. You know, and then sometimes, you know, like I said, it may leave numbers and start being animals or whatever. Yeah, exactly. But they just want to all say their thing. Yeah. So they all decided they were going to start with the Wreck and Rex because they watched the teacher do it with Wreck and Rex and they were like, oh, that's not so scary. We can mm-hmm. do that, you know. Um, so do our listeners know what a Wreck and Rex is? Um, maybe not. So, and especially if you've only ever taught upper, yeah, upper elementary. So a wreck and wreck. Thanks for asking that, Jay. That's why we need you here. Yeah. Um, a wreck and wreck. And so that people can hear you from week to week. Yeah, that that too. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Thank you. You are so valuable. Um, and post it and make us um, images and run the website. Yeah. Yeah. Today he even took a picture of us dressed up. Is yeah. our Halloween costume? We'll put it in the show notes and also on Twitter. Okay, uh, a wreck and wreck is the closest. If you've never seen it before, first of all, just Google it, wreck and wreck. But also, um, think about like an abacus. That's probably the closest thing that you've seen before. And the ones that we are using have two rows only, and they have um, ten beads on the top row, ten beads on the bottom row, and they the ten is separated into two groups. So. They're like on the top, there's five white beads and five red beads. And on the bottom, five white beads and five red beads. And what we saw the, the teacher do is say, show me five. She started with show me five. And so they put all their beads to one side and then they slide five beads over to the other side in any 
um, grouping that they want to do. So they could do like four on the top, one on the bottom, or three on the top, two on the bottom. And so it's working on composing and decomposing numbers and part whole. And then they're like, in her class, they're covering up with her hand the unused beats that we're not talking about. Um, and then we did six also, and she talked about the combinations that make six. And we probably want us to take this moment to re- to to mention that Jay made all the wreck and wrecks in our building. How many wreck and wrecks are in your building? Um, hundreds, right? I don't know. Well over three hundred. Yeah, because we wanted we you know saw this tool. <laughs> yeah, we saw the tool, and they are crazy expensive to buy like the pre made ones. So we found this like online tutorial, which we'll link and. So then he cut all of that. They're just a flat. Ours are a flat piece of wood. How big is that, JJ? Like they were about four inches by six or eight inches. Yeah, something like that. So a piece of wood, and then he drilled four holes in them. Also rounded the corners and made them, sanded them, and made them nice. But drilled the holes, and then the teachers, one day in a in a you know time where we got together, they strung the beads on them and used like elastic cord to string them. So, yeah. So you, you're. This is a question when you were explaining, and as you were explaining, I was remembering what Rick and Rex are really used for anyway. Mm-hmm. And so they have ten beads on the top, ten beads on the bottom, yep. and they're split by color. Could you make different bead arrangements for different base number systems? Ooh. Like, could you have a base eight Rick and Rex that's four and four and four and four? No, it wouldn't work that way. Or would it? I don't know. I just was wondering why. I couldn't figure out what the 10s were, and then I realized it's so you can see what's left out of a 10 or mm-hmm. make something to make 10. And I didn't know if that's if they were all that way or if they could mix them up. I'm going to have to think about that. And I'm sitting over here saying, I've never used a wreck and wreck. But if I had the five reds and the five whites... On the top, could I flip them and then have five whites and five reds and model three with positive and negative? So when you slide over the red and the white, you've created a zero. Oh. Hmm. Maybe. Yeah. I feel like I would need a bigger wreck and wreck with more beads. Yeah. Because you'd have to use so many beads to model yeah. Even just one. That's where my mind was. Yeah, there's that's a maybe. Hmm. Hmm. And since I know someone who makes wreck and wrecks. Yeah. My, this is my, I don't know if how well this is going to translate on the podcast, but this is my favorite, like, oh, this is why a wreck and wreck is a great visual, is if you want to add six plus six. Okay. So you're going to slide over six and slide over six. I'm going to slide over six on the top and six on the bottom. Then what you see is a row of five on the top and a row of five on the bottom that are like, for example, all red. So five reds and five reds. And then you see a white and a white on both of those. And to me, I don't like, I, it's, I can just see it. I don't have to count it. You see at the that 10 point. plus two. Yeah, exactly. You can see that all of those reds make a 10 and then two more, you know, that's why I love, I don't know that that visual works for everybody else, but for me, it's like, Oh, that's a perfect – I think doubles is just – it's just a perfect tool for teaching doubles. And then the whole doubles plus one idea. So remember, like if we're going to do six plus seven, here's the six, and then you can see it. You can see the 12 again and then one more kind of thing. So, okay, we got like way off of what we were going to talk about, but that was good. Yeah. Um. So I had a second grade – second grade is working on – um. Addition and subtraction, the standard that they're, like, really on is um, the related facts, you know, what we used to call number of families, but I think the term in in our standard is related facts. And also missing add-end kind of problems. And um, one of the teachers has really dug in and, and is thinking a lot about it. And she found a resource that she really connected with and She'd been like doing that on her own. And then when I was talking about it, she's like, oh, that's here. Oh, that's here. Oh, that's here. You know, so she was like primed and ready for it. And she yesterday was like, I or not earlier this week was like, I just need you to explain to me how am I going to 
say this whole idea of addition and subtraction are related. And her her example was like, um, for two plus blank equals five. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I know from algebra that if I take away the two from both sides and I'm going to be left with that unknown value. She's like, but I don't know how to explain to them why. And I'm so proud of her to like not just want to teach that that is what you do, but to think about why does that work and why, how am I going to explain it in second grade language? So that was like a good question. And it was at the beginning of our PLC and I wasn't like, my brain wasn't there yet. And I'm like, oh, froze up a little bit. You know, I didn't, I, same, I'm in the same boat. I agree with you. I know that's how you do it, but I didn't have my second grade explanation hat on. So I'm like, I'm going to have to, I'm gonna have to research that and I'm gonna have to think about it. This is, this is what I came to is that, well, first of all, Berkeley Everett has some great um, visuals that I would certainly suggest to look at. Um, mm-hmm. Lots of his videos are, are great things that would get the conversation going. I also say, I went again, wrote in her my email back to her, like splat is still one of the best ways to go. Um, that number routine, number sense routine. Um, because it's depending on how kids explain how they're thinking about the missing, like the covered up values they might be thinking about it like in a subtraction way or an addition way. Mm-hmm. So still go with that route. Like even after doing some research, I'm like, oh, this is perfect. And can I just insert here? You said, and she even said that she understands from algebra. And I feel like sometimes that's where higher level teachers find elementary math hard because they know they they know how to solve the answer mm-hmm. in this algebraic way. And like yesterday, I gave a word problem to the department chair. And she's like, well, blah, blah, blah. And I said, no, 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 no. You have to solve this problem without algebra. Mm-hmm. And she just kind of was like, how do you... I got to think about that. Mm. You know, like that's the right response. And sometimes elementary teachers feel... Like they're not smart enough or they, I can't hang with the high school math teachers kind Mm -hmm. of thing. But in reality, you have a lot to offer because you're taking something that they just find second nature and Mm -hmm. really explaining it in such a way. It's just a hard job. Yeah. Right. And I just, when you said, how do you do that without algebra? Yeah. It's almost like once you learn algebra, then that's where you go to. You can't unlearn it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Do you have something to share over there, JJ? No. Okay. (laughs) All right. I was checking something in my brain. Well, you said something that made me think of of Matt Parker, but it doesn't, it's not going to connect. Okay. All right. So, so here's the other thing you, here's the other thing that I landed on, which is that they are, um, so this we're starting at this idea of related facts because they are inverse operations. Well, that word doesn't mean anything to second graders. Well, that means that they are opposite operations. Well, that may or may not mean anything. So one of the things I read was like they undo each other. And I was like, well, that's a word we can probably nail down. And your algebra teachers are going to appreciate you using undo. Mm. I have recently found out that it's, you should not say that addition and subtraction are opposite operations because hmm. they don't make zeros. Opposites are reserved for integers, positive and negative. Oh. Cool. So okay. the fact that you're using the word undo okay. is really what the algebra teacher asked me to use. She said, use the word opposites when you're talking about integers and use the word inverse. And if you want to explain it in okay. you know, a simplistic way, use oh, I like that. undo because... Does they don't cancel out? Okay, cool. So thank you. You're welcome. So then I was like, okay, what if they don't know the word undo? Maybe what can I come up with that the teacher could build that word that would then transfer? So here's my ready, everybody. They've both heard it already, so they're gonna pretend they they haven't heard it. But what? I kind of forgot what you said, so it may be new to me. Okay, great, perfect. Um, so we're gonna talk about this is my example that I gave her. What if you think about making an ice cream float? 
Okay. And if you now, why are you laughing at me already? I remember now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, oh, here we go again. So you think about making a float. So you put in the ice cream and then in the cup, and then you put in the soda and you have a float. So the part of the, the part ice cream and the part float and the soda makes the whole of a float. Can you use numbers and actually instead of the part and the part and the whole? Or do you, is it, is that not correct? You could. Like I mean, in this example, like, Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, and when I was writing it to the teacher, I wrote I wrote it algebraically because I knew she had was kind of thinking that way already. So I wrote I for ice cream plus S for soda equals F for float as I was kind of like trying to model the equations. Is that okay? Sure. Okay. So then, then it's your, I. It's your model. You can do okay, what you great. want. Great. Thanks. Um, then I said the opposite is true. So if you take your cup and you pour in the soda first. And then you put in the ice cream, you still have a float. So we've demonstrated the commutative property. You can change the order of your add-ins, and you still get the same whole. Um, and then I said, okay, now we're now picture that we're going to start with a float, and we are going to take out the ice cream. So that you're thinking like the float minus the ice cream equals, and you're left with the soda. That's the other part. Or you could have done it the other way. You've got your float, and you pour out the um, soda, and you're left with just the ice cream. Now, here, Jay's concrete mind is like, that's not going to work. <laughs> it turns to brown goo in yeah. the minute you mix them. Right. Y'all. Well, I'm thinking you're going to do it fast, and that's also going to be funny. Your kids are think it's funny. Okay. Um, and then, uh, then you're left with this, whatever, this ice cream. So then I'm like, okay, back to her question of the missing add-in and how that is subtraction. What what I've just done up until this point is shown the whole fact family idea, mm-hmm. you know, in a way that would have been potentially um, obvious to them. Maybe you know, you can see the fact family's making sense there. They're all, re- I should say, related facts. You can see all the related facts there. So then think about, okay, now the question is, ice cream. Plus blank equals float. So one way to tackle that question is ask yourself, what do I have to add to the ice cream to get the float? Well, you have to add the soda. You're thinking about addition. You're thinking addition. Mm -hmm. But another way to think about it is because we know this whole part, part, whole relationship, um, ice cream plus blank equals float. You can think, you can sort of start with the whole. The whole is the float. And if I picture the whole and I take out the part I already know, I'm left with the other part that I was looking for. So if, I, if I'm if i looking at my float and I take out the ice cream, the, the other missing part to that is the soda. So that's like a way to see, because I know this part-part-whole relationship all the time, I can either think about adding on the missing part or taking away the part that you know so we decided on our run that the fact that you had ice cream and you had soda and it made something with a new name really solidified this yeah because it was a new entity it's not just Mm -hmm. two things hanging out together it's got a whole new identity did anybody think of another one that would not be so messy that would still do that not no because i had thought about um, like peanuts and M&Ms or something where you could separate them back out perfectly. But when you're looking at them, it just looks like a bunch of peanuts and M&Ms mm-hmm. mixed together. Mm-hmm. Maybe an Oreo. I thought about a sandwich or an Oreo, but it's still that you you have that problem of two parts and one part. Yeah, because an Oreo is three parts. Yeah, exactly. Oh, gotcha. We we talked about a cupcake last night or mm-hmm. on our run yesterday morning, um, but it's hard to call the cake something other than the cupcake, right? You know, Trip Profit's over it's there listening just an in the other room. Cupcake. Trip Profit, you got another example? He we said also, he can't think of any. <laughs> we also talked about Legos, where you could use the red and the blue and make a tower. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you had a really good idea of having the Legos where they're going to build the tower, but then having a picture, an outline 
of the tower. So they can see the tower is made of seven and they have four red and three blue and they can take it apart and put it back together. Mm -hmm. But. Well, I'm sure there's somebody out there that's got a less messy idea than a float. So if something else comes to you. As long as you you don't physically stand up in front of them and try to demonstrate it. Oh, see, I totally would. Oh, yeah. You just need like a bowl to make the mess in and well, yeah. then go for it. Knock yourself out. Okay, great. And, and then just works. give all the kids a straw and say, here's the bowl. It's <laughs> yeah. three kids. See, I think it's a end, bowl of muddy coke. Come on, at kids. At the end, we'd all definitely have a little tiny float if I was doing this lesson. And, right. Yeah. And you could, so you could even use the float that was in your bowl and just spoon them into little Dixie cups and everyone could have. Uh, <gasps> yeah. <laughs> what was that last year? You were going to have Kool Aid and they were all going to drink it. And I was like, Ruth, have you thought about the germs? Remember that episode? I remember that. We did Kool Aid. Yeah, but you, just, you you were not thinking ahead about how you were going to share it. And no. I was like, it was ratios or something. I was like, and they were all going to get weak Kool-Aid. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> they did get weak, weak Kool-Aid. And then they got like such strong Kool-Aid. And I took their pictures and they had to Made look at their pictures hurt. and decide whether they were drinking weak or strong Kool-Aid. <laughs> awesome. All right. Um, so if anybody else has any other ways Things that are part, part whole that are real life examples that you can undo. We want to hear them. And if anybody else has any, especially primary teachers or people that have worked with primary teachers, of ways you're helping them, like ways to articulate the the relationship between addition and subtraction. I'm, I'm all over that. I want to hear it. Um, I feel like I've found lots of ways to build it, but I'm you know, splat and like build the understanding, you know, lots of examples of it. But I, I, I'm still looking for like, what's the teacher language? That's the goal of how you'd want a teacher to explain it or a kid to explain it. All right. Last is comparing numbers. Um, I, I was working with a teacher who's getting ready to start comparing numbers and this is up to the, through the thousands place. So they would have to compare two numbers up to nine hundred nine thousand. 999. What, buddy? Ooh, come here. Okay, we're going back just a little bit. Trip Prophet, if we can see him through the basement, he's got his hand up. <laughs> he's like <laughs> raising his hand. So, he's in math class. So he's, he's a little later, but he said he thought of one of something that's a part, part, whole. So we I haven't heard his idea yet. Um, Trip, what's your part, part, whole idea? Uh, the cover in pages. And if you put a cover and pages together. It's a book. Okay. So you could pull the cover off and then then you've got the cover and then the pages and then you could put them back together. Okay. Cool. There's some there's some ways that you could make that, you know, yeah. demonstrate that. Thanks, Trip Prophet. That was go. pretty good, man. Fist bump. All right. If you um if you come up with any other ideas, let me know, okay? All right. Thanks, dude. Um, all right, where were we? We were talking about comparing numbers. So um, we worked through a lot of things, but I just was going to want to get you guys' idea. If you were, if you were getting ready to, so say you're a second grade teacher or a third grade teacher, and you're getting ready to do comparing numbers for the first time, and you've got to do the greater than or less than an equal sign, and this is your, like your first go at it. What would be your ideal task um, that would get you started? I'm wondering if any task ideas come to mind. Sometimes there's merit in talking about this on the well, run before you just oh. drop it at the podcast. <laughs> okay. Well, but that's also like real life coaching, right? right? I walked into her room and because I, I, I could give a million excuses, but we it was a like blind coaching ex, coaching situation where I'm like, okay, what are you teaching tomorrow? And and that's that was real life. <laughs> like, okay, here we go. So here we go. So the whole time you were talking about comparing numbers, I'm just like plugging place value blocks, place value blocks, yeah. please use them. Yeah. Um, but then you were like task. What? Oh. Okay. So I'm just putting this out there. Yeah. But I read something years ago about 
letting students use place value blocks to build a house or some kind of formation at their desk. Okay. So what if you were given 732 and you were able to use those blocks to build a house and someone else was given 712 Mm -hmm. to build a house? Whose house would be bigger Mm -hmm. or whose houses would have more features or what would the difference in the houses be? I don't know how you would ask that question to make it task. Or what if each block costs one dollar? Each unit of this house costs one dollar. So how much did your house cost to build and how much did. So then it's, you know, this house costs seven hundred dollars to build in this one, whatever. Got any other ideas? Nope. I like the building idea. It's gonna it's gonna do you have to think ahead of time about are you gonna allow them to have more tens than more than ten tens? Are you gonna allow them to have more than ten ones? So that then you've got that whole regrouping idea. Maybe you wouldn't, right? I'm I'm thinking for comparing numbers, you wouldn't. So my vocabulary would be, I would like for you to build these two numbers the most efficient way. I'd like for you to build these with the least amount of blocks. Okay. When you, when you said it the first time, you made me think I was handing each kid a bag that already has a number in it that I've thought about ahead of time. Oh, and see, so, my task was, here it is written, Farmer A builds his ranch with 732 blocks, mm-hmm. and Farmer B builds his ranch with 712 blocks, build both ranches, okay, and say how big it is. So now I'm differentiating it, and I'm saying... How much more do you need for this ranch for them to be equal? How much more would it be if you added another hundred? So that what you're saying right now are like you're higher if they finish. This right. Is what they're going to do. Those are some questions where you're mm-hmm. – because that's where my brain is these days is what do I do for those kids who are huffing because it's just so easy. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what I was – as I was like, okay, what task would I do? I'm like there are kids in this class that probably – wouldn't know how to use the greater than or less than sign for 45 and 54. But then there are kids that probably are going to look at your thousands comparison and already just know, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so I'm curious how you teach the greater than less than sign too, because we know we're not going to say the alligator eats the bigger number. Okay, let's stop for a second okay. already. Can you help me articulate why we're not going to say that? I I know better but i'm also struggling to articulate to people who still do want to use the alligator symbol help me so i think it's going to go to inequalities when you are graphing inequalities and your inequality says 2x plus 5 is greater than 9 okay 2x plus 5 is greater than 9 okay So if the only thing you have is an alligator and you can't read that as greater than 2x plus 5, 9, like a student reads the alligator sign because they know which number is bigger and 2x plus 5, they don't know, they don't know it's bigger. So the struggle is, what does that say? Mm-hmm. Is 2x plus 5 bigger or is it smaller? Does the alligator eat bigger? Or sm- and I'll tell you this. Um, two years ago, mm-hmm. Kaylin was a straight A student. And I'm like saying it in retrospect. So the end of the year, she had gotten straight A's. Mm-hmm. But she got like a 30% on her comparing decimals test because she thought her teacher said the alligator eats the smaller number. Oh. I was about to say, in, in nature, the big thing eats the little thing. It doesn't make sense for the little thing to eat the big thing. Wait, what? Say that again? In nature, in any example they have, 
the big thing eats the little thing. So oh. the alligator would eat the smaller number. Huh. I mean, in, yes, I'm sure alligators take down animals that are bigger than them or yeah. crocodiles or whatever you're yeah. using. But that that concept doesn't make sense. Uh-huh. It's not like the chicken eats the person. Yeah. Well, I think it's more – I think if a teacher teaches that, they're like, the alligator's going to look at the – the big chicken and the little chicken, and it's going to eat, it's going to want to eat more, eat the bigger yeah, one. Yeah, but the more you have to explain it and qualify it, it breaks yeah. down when they have to remember it on a test. Yeah, exactly. That's a really good example. And it was just a simple, like, I misunderstood the algorithm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know what, I mean, I feel like you teach the signs and you say greater than and you say less than. I did have a student who taught me. That when she is comparing numbers, she puts two dots on the big number and one dot on the small number and connects the dots. Hmm. Which goes back to that, to Berkeley Everett's visual that kind of does that idea. Okay. I'm sure you haven't seen it, Jay. Oh, yeah. Berkeley and I are BFFs all the time. Okay. So... (laughs) um, that reminds me of when we talked about Sarah Vanderwerf and, and then she wrote us and it was like kind of embarrassing. Okay. I thought it was awesome. It was awesome. You're exactly <laughs> right. Okay. So I'm going to try to describe it. Really, you should just click on the show notes and see it because it's way better. I want to record what you're about to do with your hands. <laughs> Shut up. Okay. So picture like four dots on this side stacked in a column and seven dots stacked in a column on this side. And it kind of like... So they're show they're shown up like that, and then it kind of takes these. Does it take the equal sign in the middle? Well, anyway, the point is that you're gonna like put a a line on the top of it. Oh, I'm not a horizontal line, and as it goes, this is it, a smaller it amount. On the smaller one, yeah, and then sense. the and then the bigger it's open, bigger on the bigger yep. amount kind of idea. Um, and he's got an equal one because they are like at the same height going across. So top and bottom, they're going to be equal. Right. Anyway, it's a notice and wonder. So please go check that, that out. That makes sense. I like that. Yeah. The other thing I was thinking of is if, you know, when you say the alligator eats the big one or whatever, mm-hmm. you can't then put that into the sentence and read the sentence and make sense. Yes. So like 2X plus whatever is greater than nine, whatever you said, yeah. 2X plus five is greater than nine. You can't two x plus five gets alligator eating the nine, yeah, or you know exactly. the nine eats the you know you it doesn't make sense to to read it, you know, and and the concept. You need the language. Yes, and the- and I have had a lot of aha moments where students are like, oh, it's greater than because the open part comes first, and that's how you read. The sign, you read it from left to right. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we just don't give them enough practice or I don't even know what word I'm trying to say. Like they can understand it. Mm -hmm. Tell them to read it left to right. Tell them the open part comes first and that's a greater than sign and Mm -hmm. the closed part comes first and that's a less than sign. Yeah. Um, Don't go straight to... Your alligator eating it. In yeah. fact, don't use the alligator at all. Yeah, that's what we're advocating. Leave the alligator right. in the swamp. Yeah, um, and and it makes it the it a great next place to go would be a same but different talk where over here you have um, fifty two is greater than twenty five, and over here you have twenty five is less than fifty two, and put the those are both true statements. But why are the signs flipped? You know, like having them digest that idea that you've changed the numbers. Well, it's also going to change the sign. And so you ask me why. Well, the other part is when you divide in that stu- in that two-step equation, you divide by a negative, your sign has to flip because you've changed the positive and the negative. And so it's now less than instead of greater than or it's still greater than. And when all you have is the alligator – Mm-hmm. it's really hard to understand the why behind flip the sign when you divide by a negative in mm-hmm. an inequality. I'm going to tell you that that's, that's past my level of understanding of, and, of yeah. like, I know I've heard that rule, but that is a rule that I would misapply. Like if you gave me some problems like that out of somebody's, that would that be your algebra book, pre-algebra, mm-hmm. whatever, I would be grasping at straws and probably misapplying that flip the sign I, I or flip the 
flips that inequality. Yeah, yeah. I, I would I'd be missing that mess because all I've got is some memorized algorithm that I didn't understand. So one day you're going to teach me that on a run. Okay, go ahead. What were you going to say? Uh, I was going to say this, a similar thing. The exact same thing. Yeah. I was going to say that's that's beyond. You can't explain it. You can't rationalize it to a second grade teacher using that example. Oh sure. Yeah. That's yeah. really. I mean that's that's beyond what they're prepared for and thinking about. Yeah. You don't. But it's okay to tell them that. Yeah, it's but you, okay to. I think it's okay to say, and also something. This is they're going to run into this, and it's going to be a hard time. But I don't think you can back it up, like explain it and mm-hmm. rationalize it that way. Well, rationalize sounds bad, but that's like a, an an additional reason not to. Yeah, that reminds me of a conversation where the the fifth grade teacher that I work with is forever asking me those why questions, and I love it because she really wants a legit answer to give her people, and her her question was about why do they have to know um how to write this statement in a in an expression five less than a number and i remember you and i had had a big conversation about that i was like channel ruth what did she say what did she say and it wasn't coming to me all i was like yeah it's really helpful in algebra that's all i got (laughs) yeah just believe me can you say that in like 30 seconds why why do they need to know a five less than a number is x minus five you t- oh, really fast because f- it's not commutative. Five less than a number is X minus five. And that's not the same as five minus X. Okay. So subtraction is the most difficult to translate from words to expressions. Yeah. And X decreased by five. Well, that means X minus five. Yeah. And the best way to understand for me, how I teach it is for them to take out X and put in a number and see if it makes sense. Uh, So if I say, like, if I say eight less five, well, that's eight minus five. mm -hmm. But if I say eight less than five, that's five minus That's negative three. Oh, cool. Yeah. So... When you can take out the variable and put in a number, it helps you know what vocabulary to use Ooh. because we talk like that. Yeah. But it is important and it's it's because subtractive's not commutative. Subtraction okay. is not commutative. Okay. That was good. Thank you. I've been putting you on the spot all morning long. Sorry. Yeah. She's been performing pretty well. <laughs> yeah, she really has. Yeah. Good. This is coaching practice for you, it's Ruth. Game day. You're doing great. Um, okay. Last thing is I just want to put in a plug for this um book 11th hour and then everybody's going to share their takeaways i won't forget it today jay's got his you guys ready already i'm already ready okay um this book 11th hour i would say it's a really good um combo between some math and logic and um reading skills it's a it's a picture book and it is a mystery and there's an elephant and he throws himself a birthday party and he invites a bunch of guests and he's like look at this fantastic feast i've got going on and then he's like but you can't have it yet we have to play all these games for 11 you know 11 different games for 11 hours and then we'll come and eat the feast and they show up to eat the feast and the feast has been eaten so somebody stole the feast and so you get to the end of the book and you have to figure out who did it And so then you go back and there's all these clues within the picture and all this decoding and it is, it is pretty wild. So like the very first page, it has a message written in the like border of the page that just looks like artwork. But if you read it around, there's a message and then you read it around again and it says, it is not Max. Like letter by letter, you read it all the way around and it says, it is not Max. So from the very beginning, you're like, oh, I can eliminate this suspect. It's not him. And then um, it gets harder and harder. Like there was a whole freaking page all the way around the border that was Morse code. And (laughs) I'm like, is this really code? And I didn't want to like dig in, but I had to because I needed to make sure before I worked with the kids in this book that I knew it. And yeah, it really gave like this whole message from in Morse code all the way around. So it's just a really cool book. Um, Hmm. And I would encourage. I had fun. Actually, I'm not actually all the way done solving the mystery yet. But but <laughs> she doesn't know who it is. I yet. actually don't know, so don't spoil it. And then in the back, there's like a sealed up, like a set of pages that has a sticker seal over it. And the book copy that I have, it hasn't been broken yet. <laughs> so I'm waiting to open the seal to like read the 
what the author says about all the stuff that probably I didn't even see everything. Um, I haven't opened it yet. So I'm really trying to solve it on my own first. That sounds like something great to have in the classroom yeah. for your little people that are my little yeah. people that are. That's good. We might have to put that on the wish list. Yeah. You need multiple copies of it because right? you, I mean, like 10 copies would not be too many but if you had that many people that would need it at some point because mm -hmm. you need your own copy to like read the Morse code around the outside of the thing. It's, it's going to be hard to share. Yes, definitely. Okay. Takeaways. Boom. You got yours? <laughs> put 11th hour on my wish list <laughs> yeah, and get okay. some copies of it. Done. <laughs> I was thinking back after we talked about Wreck and Rex today. Yep. You said, just look up Wreck and Rex. Well, that's like tell them to look up an Icelandic word that they don't know how to spell. <laughs> okay. So for everyone who was sitting there going, how the heck do you spell Wreck and Rex? It's R-E-K-E-N-R-E-K, -E -E all one word. Thanks, Jay. You're so informative and helpful. And I only know because it took me a little while to find it. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's uh, throughout our show, he's always over here Googling stuff as we're talking about. Sometimes I'm a little self-conscious that you're not listening, but you are. <laughs> well, sometimes it's because I have lost the ability to comprehend what you're saying. <laughs> and this is how I, you know, Deal. hang in there. Yeah. Well, well, we're glad you joined so us. So that episode where you were Googling what the money was in the Flintstones... I think that was my favorite because you just, boom, you had it. Yeah, at the end. Clamshells or something like that, right? Clams. Yeah. yeah. Um, my takeaway is maybe two. I think it would be fun to have second graders, like Trip, give some other ideas of things in their life that they see as part whole. And, and I bet we could get even better ideas from a classroom of second graders. And my other one is your whole fill in the number, what you just said about if you're trying to write an algebra algebraic expression, put in, plug in a number and see if it makes sense with the, with the word form that you were given. That's good too. All right, y'all. This is one of my favorite days of the week. Thank you. It is. It yes. is. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone out hey, there. you're welcome. Oh, wait, them out there. Yeah, them out there. <laughs> All right, Ruth, I'll see you on a run, and you're going to explain um, flipping the sign on inequality. I am solving right? it right now. It's ready to teach it. Okay, great.